And so Jono uh, did introduce a new preach series called Thrive, and we're looking at the uh, topic of healing this morning. But why call a preaching series Thrive? Well, we want to scratch what itches. <laughs> we want to help people navigate this life with hope and purpose. And I've noticed just speaking with folk and just hearing report backs of where people are at, people are struggling with health, it seems, in this season. And uh, I've also noticed that many people live with a defeatist attitude, you know, part of the white knuckle club. You know what the white knuckle club is? Just hold on. I'm just going to try to survive. We're not called just to survive. We're called to thrive. And I believe we can. I'm convinced that we are created and called not just to survive this life, not just to make it to one day with Jesus, but to thrive in this life that we live. And so Brad encouraged us last week, if you weren't here, he started the meeting as he is leading it by encouraging us to rejoice, no matter the circumstance, rejoice. And we rejoice in the one that gives us joy, don't we? As Christians, Jesus Christ. Not our circumstances that define our joy. Actually, Jesus does, if we say our hope is in Him. And so you might be finding it a little bit difficult this morning to experience some joy. Allow the worries of this world to rub us of joy. Maybe financial struggle that you're facing. Maybe there's some relational challenge. Maybe health. We're going to be talking into that this morning. And just generally, life throws some curveballs at us, doesn't it? So we experienced that this weekend. Shelley was invited to do a ladies' conference by Eden and the City Church. She's ministering to about 40 to 50 ladies this weekend, Friday night and Saturday. She wasn't feeling well on Friday when we left, but uh, dug deep, knew that there was work that the Holy Spirit wanted to do with the ladies, and she was an instrument in His hands. And anyway, so I said, love, I'll actually drive you. So I'll drive Miss Daisy to East London. I, w- I was glad that I did. I was just going to send her with someone else, you know, to support her. But on Friday night on our way to the meeting, again, I was going to just send her off. I said, Charles, I'll stay here. You can drive up the hill to the meeting. And then I just felt, hey, let me drive her. So I said, love, I'll, I'll serve you. I'll drive you up to the church, to the meeting. And so we get onto the N2. As we get onto the N2, heading up the N2 towards some Tartar, just before the turnoff to Beacon Bay Drive, car overheats. Computer says, right, stop, stop, stop. So we stop. I let it cool down. We drive not 200 meters, overheats again. I'm thinking, gee, Shelly's got to get to a meeting. What do we do now? So I phoned a friend of mine. Phone a friend when you have a problem. Uh, Ross Wilkie very graciously came and collected her, took her. I drove to the nearest garage, parked it there for the night, left it there. Caught a lift back to where we were staying next morning, got towed down to the mechanic. But the long and the short of it is we can get bent out of shape by that moment. And I chose in that moment, I'm not going to let this rob the Holy Spirit of an opportunity to minister to people. I'm not going to let it rob Shelley's joy. I said, Charles, go with joy. Don't worry, I've got this. I'll look after the car. You just go and minister to the ladies. But here's the amazing thing is that uh, I thought, how do we get back home again? Because I've got to preach this morning. Got no car. Stuck in East London. Nobody's going to fix a car on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday. 
friend of mine says, uh, no problem, Nick. He says, I'll sort your car out. You just get back. Here's my car. You can take my car back to Port Elizabeth. So now I'm sitting in his car while he offers me this gift. He has just got this car this week. Double cab, Ranger. Bucky. 500,000 rands worth of vehicle. It's got 600 Ks on the clock. He <laughs> says, you can drive it back. I'm like, Ross, <laughs> buddy, I, I know you love me, but uh, I'm sure you love your car too, you know? But he very generously, generously and graciously gave me his car. It's parked in my front yard. I'm not driving it until he comes back on Wednesday, and then we'll swap cars. But just incredible moment of just trusting in the Lord in this time. Not only just to get home, but to get Shelley to do Anyway, those ladies had an amazing time, I believe, over those... That, that morning and uh, uh, yesterday morning and Friday night. But, but here is the key that I want us to hold fast to this morning. I'm convinced that if we try in our own strength and wisdom to navigate life's challenges, we're going to struggle. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Because John chapter 6, verse 33, this is what the Bible records. Jesus speaking. These are his words. He says, the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit gives life, and the flesh counts for nothing. I knew that I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do anything to change the circumstance in that moment. I had to trust that the Lord would make a way. And definitely the Holy Spirit led, I believe, Ross to, to help us. But anyway, that's just the sideline. Jesus goes on, in the second part of that verse, he says, The words that I've spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. So I want to remind us this morning and encourage us that whatever season in life we find ourselves, summer, winter, or spring, and we might find ourselves all in different seasons. This is a reality. We've been singing it, and this is what Jesus tells us through his truth, that God is good. Summer, winter, or spring, God is good. God is good. The Spirit gives life. These words that Jesus speaks, the Spirit gives life. Just a short sentence are full of incredible promise and potential. They're not just words. There's a promise that Jesus holds out. He says the Spirit gives life. If you're in a winter season, it's possible to thrive. We have access, Jesus is saying, to a supernatural power that helps us according to our need at a specific moment in time. Let's go to John 14, verse 26. Again, Jesus is speaking. And he says, When the Father sends the Advocate, speaking about the Holy Spirit, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you. Please underline in your Bible and highlight, however you do it, with a pen or a highlighter, or if you have an iPad with that special button. And then Jesus goes on to say, the work of the Holy Spirit does not just teach us, He reminds us of everything that Jesus has told us. I trust this morning, as we unpack the Scriptures, 
We're going to look at a day in the life of Jesus this morning. So we're going to take a snapshot of one day in the life of Jesus. And I trust we're going to learn some things about Jesus. And I trust that the Holy Spirit will teach us some things or remind us of some things we've already been taught. And maybe we've let go of. This is what Jesus says again in John 14, verse 27. Next verse. He says, I am leaving you with a gift. This is a promise. This is a promise from the heart of God for his people. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. This gift is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Then he says, so don't be troubled or afraid. Troubled or afraid this morning? Need peace? I believe that the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit will minister to every heart. One of the supernatural works of Jesus through the gift of the Holy Spirit is healing. Just to double-click that topic this morning of healing. See a Bible in the book of Matthew. We read chapters 8 to 10. It just records 10 different miracles that Jesus performs. Ten different miracles. Just this variety of power that Jesus is able to dispense to people who have a need. And so these miracles are recorded in the Scriptures as irrefutable proof that Jesus possesses the power that has been prophesied about. So it was prophesied about. The reality of it is proven as we read Matthew chapter 8 to 10. And so remember, I think it's in Isaiah 35, if I'm not mistaken, and it might be 53 as well, where Isaiah prophesies that the lame will walk, the deaf will hear, the blind will see. Those are the very miracles that Jesus actually does when we read the book of Matthew, verses 8 to 10. And we're going to look, as I said, at a little snapshot at a day in the life of Jesus, as recorded by Mark and Matthew, who actually were witnesses to these miracles. And so this day that we're going to look at is just a normal day for Jesus. But it becomes an incredibly thriving moment for those who trust Him, according to their need. And the golden thread that runs throughout these supernatural miracles, we're going to look at four of them this morning, just in the day in the life of Jesus. The golden thread that runs through all of those is the authority of Jesus. So turn with me, please, to Mark chapter 1. We're going to read from verses 21 to 34. I'm just going to go to my Bible here. Mark chapter 1. And I said... 21, hey? I've got a problem. (laughs) There we go. Problem resolved. It's a very interesting Jesus. The very first miracle he does, we don't have time to go and unpack it, but he calls the disciples, the first disciples that minister with Jesus. In the morning, he calls them. You know, Simon, Andrew calls them fishers, fishermen. He says, I'm going to actually make you fishers of men. That's the first miracle. Gives them a call and purpose. And I think that's a miracle for every man and woman is a call and purpose. But anyway, that one was for free. And so we go from verse 21. They went to Capernaum. 
Mark chapter 1, verse 21. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and he began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. So Jesus is teaching, but he's teaching with authority. Authority is demonstrated and displayed by what happens next, okay? Just then, verse 23, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure, unclean spirit, some Bibles recorded as a demonic spirit, cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. It's interesting that this impure spirit, this demonic spirit in this man recognizes the authority of Jesus. <laughs> Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. And I believe he said it a, much, a lot louder than I did. And then he says, come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and so the impure spirit, this demonic spirit, did not want to leave the man, okay? But he could not resist Jesus. He could not resist Jesus. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people, verse 27, were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching? And with authority. You see, they just got used to listening to a whole bunch of teaching but with no demonstration of power. He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Verse 29. So that's, a, probably, I think, a second miracle of the day in this context, okay? Verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue... They went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Those were the disciples that Jesus that very morning had called. <laughs> morning called, miracle, miracle, and then this miracle was going to be personal. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the, to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, so end of the day, sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. Verse 33, the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many, many who had various diseases. Please underline various he also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they of just one day in the life of Jesus. First miracle of the day. He's teaching at a synagogue. Jesus drives this demonic spirit out of the man. It's important to note that this unclean spirit reacts to the authority of truth because it's as Jesus began to teach, demon began to manifest. Truth, truth, the Word of God. And as Jesus teaches, this demon is confronted with the Word of God, begins to manifest. And it reveals to me when I read that account that the Word of God is victorious, always. The Word of God holds a lot of authority, all authority, in fact. It's all-powerful. 
A man cannot, we cannot in the flesh, for flesh profits nothing. We cannot manufacture these moments. I believe miracles always are attached to the Word of God. Hmm, something's burning. Bob went out. Thank you, Vainant. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> no, a lot. We don't have to call the fire department. <laughs> All good. That's it. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's a bulb. Bulb that burned. All good. We're all good. I'm good. Are you good? Oh, eh? Yeah, no. That's, don't get distracted, guys. There's moments like these when truth is shared. That the enemy wants to get some airplay and distract us from something that God wants to do. I'm not giving him airplay. I'm just saying, don't get distracted. Let's focus on what Jesus is saying. All good? I promise you, if a fire breaks out, we'll get you out in time. <laughs> or maybe that Jesus is letting us know how hell smells. <laughs> no, that was naughty. We were, if we're recording, just... <laughs> if you don't have fire insurance, for those who aren't saved, now's your opportunity. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's why I'm being naughty, because Shelly's not here. Her eyebrows would be raised, and she'd be going. <laughs> and so as we, as we read this, where flesh rules, no power. But where the spirit is, there's life. It's interesting, the demon says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. It's only Jesus that demons fear. Only Jesus, the demons fear. Seven sons of Sceva, we read in the book of Acts, they tried to manufacture miracles and they got a hiding. <laughs> the demons said, well, Jesus, we know, who are you? And so when Jesus rebukes the spirit, it leaves the man. He is free. Amazing, the news about Jesus begins to spread. Can I just say this morning, so we're into following I've been in Uganda. They have a lot of miracle healing crusades. It's like every pastor's got a healing ministry. I'm not knocking it. But I believe that miracles always attach the preaching of the word. And when the word is presented in its fullness in truth, I believe God blesses his word. Doesn't bless the flesh. Seen a lot of stuff there that is not authentic. The Holy Spirit only brings glory to Jesus. Not to man or a ministry. I'm wary of somebody who says, my ministry is a healing ministry. No. Healing ministry belongs to the Holy Spirit. doesn't belong to a man. We want to follow Jesus. We want to walk in what He has for us. Because that's where there is life. Not in... And the church are getting deceived into following men. And not pressing into the supernatural power that comes by the Holy Spirit. And I believe we can all be used of the Holy Spirit, by the way. Quickly, Matthew chapter 8. We see Jesus heals a leper. Then interesting, he goes, he tells 
the leper that he heals. Now, don't go and tell anybody that I've healed you. We don't have time to read it. But Matthew chapter 8 is the same moment that Mark records in chapter 1. It's the same day that Jesus is involved in ministries. So why, like, why would Jesus go and tell somebody, listen, I've healed you. Don't go, surely you want to testify to the power that I carry. Jesus, eh? Would you think that? You see, Jesus is not moved by hype. He's moved by compassion. That's why he healed that leper. Compassion, compassion, compassion. Second miracle, speaking about compassion. For those of you who have issues with your mother-in-law, Jesus heals (laughs) mother-in-laws. I love mine, by the way, dearly. I'm grateful that she spent many, many hours on her knees praying for my salvation. What I find interesting with the second miracle, Simon's mother-in-law, is that uh, the disciples tell Jesus, oh, by the way, you know, his mother-in-law is ill. But it's only a fever. That's what she had. It's a fever. Like we all get fevers. They don't ask him to heal her. Interesting. They just say, she's sick. So it must have been in conversation, oh, by the way, and I, and his, mother's, his mother-in-law is sick. Interesting that Jesus responds, says, actually, I want to go to her. They don't ask him to go and heal her. He responds again, says, actually, I'm wanting to go and see her. He goes to her, and he heals her. He, go, he takes the initiative of his own accord, and he heals her. To me, when I, when I read that, to me, Jesus is concerned about every illness. Whether it's a fever, whether it's a cancer, they are all important to him. And he wants to intervene. And he wants to bring healing. He is concerned with every illness. And the amazing thing is that sometimes he heals even when we don't ask. Imagine her waking up in bed, fever's gone. Like, what happened? Or maybe the panada I took helped. No. When they came there and she started to sliver, I'm sure they said, listen, we didn't ask Jesus, but here he is. He came and healed you. Imagine that testimony. I believe we can sit here today and we can ask God to heal somebody who's not here. But I believe also he can heal sometimes when we don't even ask. I've heard testimonies like that. Third miracle. This is proxy healing. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 9. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and he pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in a bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Interesting. Just say the word from where you are. And my servant will be healed. This officer is commended for his faith by Jesus. There's faith in the authority that Jesus has over sickness and disease. The Roman officer tells Jesus, don't come to my home. Just say the word. And here we have a picture of Jesus healing at a distance. The servant lying in bed didn't even know that his master had asked Jesus to heal him. His master was his proxy. 
Imagine his surprise when the pain disappears and he begins to walk. Verse 13 is a key verse. Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home because you believed your servant has been healed. Because you believe, not because of your servant's belief, your belief. And the young servant was healed that same hour. I believe we can live with the same faith as the Roman officer. Ask Jesus to heal those we stand proxy for. Imagine, imagine that servant when he woke up, pain gone, he could walk. Imagine his testimony when he's told that his master had asked Jesus to heal him and he was healed. Imagine the testimony. I believe when he was dancing around, I believe evening comes when there's so many people gathered, it was because of part of that testimony and the leper's testimony. So listen, I was healed and I didn't even ask Jesus to heal me. He didn't even lay hands on me. It's just something supernatural that happened. Imagine the glory that God got in that moment. Imagine the glory that God got in that moment. Imagine that we stand proxy for. We're going to get a chance to do that this morning. That was third miracle. I think that was mid-afternoon, fourth miracle, early evening. This is how Jesus rounds off his day. Mark chapter 1. Verse 32 to 34. And by this stage, news of Jesus and the miracles have just grown like wildfire. That evening after sunset, many sick. Please say with me, many sick. And demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. Imagine the press at that door. That door would have been a doorway to a tiny house. They weren't big homes. But can you imagine a whole town gathering? There to see what Jesus is going to do. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with, underline, various diseases. And he cast out many demons. Maybe the music team can come up, please. Remember we started with John 14, 26, where Jesus says he has given us the Holy Spirit to teach us and remind us of everything he has told us. Through his word, we've been taught that Jesus heals, and He heals in different ways, different moments. He heals when we don't even ask for someone to get healed, they get healed. The different ways that Jesus ministers to people are revealed in what we've just been taught. And then Jesus reminds us of that. And we've had a brief snapshot of a day in the life of Jesus, and through God's Word we have been taught and reminded about the power of Jesus. We have faith that that which we have been told about will be demonstrated amongst us. I believe three things out of this short little snapshot of the life in Jesus. Like the leper in Matthew chapter 8, that Jesus is willing to heal you. Like he said to the leper, leper said, will, will you heal me? He's been shunned by society. He can't, he can't live in the city. He has to live in a tent Outside of the city, rejected, despised because of his disease, because it was considered an unclean disease. He says to Jesus, are you willing? Everybody else has neglected me. Everybody else has shunned me. But are you willing? And Jesus says, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. 
I just felt for folk this morning, maybe you need to do a faith U-turn. You maybe think Jesus is unwilling to heal you. He's willing. He's willing. He heals some, others he don't. But he's sovereign. And I don't question that. I just believe that he can heal and he wants to heal. And if he doesn't, and he takes someone home to glory like he has done with someone close to me, like my brother. I cried out for my brother's healing and he wasn't healed. I led my brother to the Lord in the midst of terminal cancer, thinking and believing that Jesus was going to heal him. Jesus didn't heal him. Jesus took him home. I don't question why didn't you heal him. I'm grateful that he is where he is. But all I know is Jesus is sovereign. But I have seen others healed. Does it negate who Jesus is? No. Does it undermine the work of the Holy Spirit? No. Jesus is sovereign. And he wills and he acts according to his own will and purpose for people. So I camp on the side of sovereignty, sovereignty, not on the side of unbelief. And if you stand proxy for someone else, I'd love to stand proxy this morning for your brother-in-law. I know he's trusting for his own healing. I believe we can stand this morning. We can ask Jesus and he'll heal him even though he's not here. Through faith in the complete work of the cross, believe in the power of God. Psalm 103, I land with this. David, verses 2 to 3. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. These are the benefits that David praises God the Father for. He forgives all your sins and he heals all your diseases. If you're ill this morning, if you fever, headache, stomach bug, cancer, I believe that Jesus can heal and he's willing and I'm going to ask us just in a moment that if you're trusting for your own healing to step forward whatever it is you don't have to tell us Jesus knows already just step forward as the music team plays we don't have to stand I think just where you see that if you I'm going to stand because I need to have an operation on my hand I've got carpal tunnel syndrome I don't want an operation because it means I'm out of action for a while. I'd rather be healed. So I'm stepping forward this morning, believing that Jesus will take something as small as carpal tunnel syndrome and heal it. Believe he can do that. He can do heal cancer. It may be you want to stand proxy for somebody that you know, that you're close to. Please come forward. Join me here at the front. And then we're going to ask the church just to gather around us and to pray.